Welcome to the Eat, Slay, Live podcast. And we are the Locksecutioners. We're going to be eating lightning and talking thunder and throwing a heater right in your ear hole today. That song put me in a good okay, mood. Okay. That song put you in a good mood. It I haven't did. Heard it, it got zero reaction out of our guest, though. <laughs> I, I didn't really even did. know if he knew if a song was going on. <laughs> <laughs> it really but we did tell him to shut up a little bit ago so i think i think he's just listening he's a good listener up. yeah very good better than you uh, that's for sure what's up bud uh, hey not much man um we are in the new studio we are in the new studio and we're not going to talk too much about it today right okay. no no we're, we're not, not going it's to. not done it's not complete we have to get our decorations on the wall um we still got some little carpet stuff to going on we got a we got justin some. justin brown making our uh custom made table still to go besides the table we just got some detail stuff to get done yeah yep but so that's why we're not really gonna harp on it too much but we're our, here we're our, here our theme today is outside outside we both like have it. outside <laughs> things going on with our business big, right big news big news i'll start i'll start of course you will uh sign my contract um we're going to extend um, not extend. We are going to roof our patio up at the brick house. Um, we're going to do the it's two phase project. Now, we're t- like, what kind of roof are you? Putting so we're going to go with like a pavilion style. I'll um, in the area one similar would be uh, Elijah Pease has I one love, in the back of theirs. I love that. I love it. So you get the the barn kind of feel. Mm-hmm. You know the big wood beams. Um, we'll do. We'll keep our old steel look that we have going on in the brick house we'll, we'll do the ceiling rustic that. we like Very in, in rustic. the industry like yes. to call that rustic yeah <laughs> <laughs> but the um so it'll it'll start where the garage doors are and we'll go out we'll do half of the pavilion this spring and then next spring we'll finish and have the entire thing done so the entire patio will be roofed in this pavilion the, the, you just call style. it the pavilion the pavilion what, the, we'll have the pavilion that's, i like that's I, right. I like that you're already referring the to it as something pavilion. that's awesome i uh, i love those like those old wood beams going across like that it's yeah. kind of a it's called a new fad but it's yeah. it's really cool but we'll get um with that we'll come we'll get tvs out there mm-hmm. so you know now you're going out you know you want to watch cardinal game i mean you know i foresee people showing up for a cardinal game eating drinking the whole time while they're out there to watch the game mm-hmm. it'll be more of a destination place to go with when it's all said and done besides last year it just watching the place and, and learning about it once we had it um you get to those july and august summers here and it became like overflow mm-hmm. like, all right i want to sit inside right. but they're packed so right. we'll go outside, you know, unless it was extremely nice days, but you know, you get July and August so tough. So I think it'll be a huge addition, yeah. be big time. And we're, we're doing it in this first phase. We're doing it in, in a manner where we'll be able to enclose it for winter. So we'll keep that half open at all times. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's big too. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't know you were doing that. Well, I, I can't tell you everything. We've got to leave some stuff for the show. Now you, we've, been, you we've, been st- we've been staying away from each other a little bit lately anyway, haven't we? Yeah, you know okay. it's, it's called, go, it's called busy. Speaking of phases, we go in phases, you and I, our relationship. <laughs> 
you know, I think we're just waiting till pool season, and then we'll the come over season, and get we'll real and, tight. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's maybe that's what the deal. Now is. you posted a video the other day of some fucking sand thrower. Oh, oh what's yeah. going on, brother? <laughs> are your dreams coming true? My dreams are coming. Let, true. let me tell everybody real quick. Okay, Todd's dream is not this big, no, new, shiny gym no, he has. Okay, no, uh-uh. his dreams are outside gyms. Yes, army style, bear crawling yeah. through some sand pits and <laughs> rain or shine. He wants to take pictures like he's a drill sergeant out there. It's raining on like the movie. Yeah. You're climbing these yes, this shit. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. We, you know, because they're doing that work here. The city's doing the work. Whether I'm not going to go into it, but they, but they have this big excavating sewer plumber like business guys going on out here. And so we have this big sort of incline like in our decline out in our field it was about and you 40 have a huge foot, field out huge there. field yeah. and there's about a 40 to 30 put 30 to 40 yard like square right like all the way around that just kind of like sunk down perfect like square and so i asked those guys hey well you guys are out here like tearing up my parking lot could you <laughs> scrape off this the you know scrape off this the grass and blah 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 and so they're like, sure. And so you made, you made a little trade. You made a little deal out there. Kind of. I've been making deals the whole time they've been out there. So, but. <laughs> so yeah, they scraped it off. And then I was asking my buddy, uh, Scott Mayberry, that owns uh, Kinstra, about possibly getting sand. And I was thinking this was going to be this kind of something long down the line. And he's like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll have some there tomorrow. Yep. Next thing I know, dude, we end up getting five truckloads of sand out there. And uh, like 50 to 60 tons. <sighs> And it's not even, it's not like regular sand. It's kind of like refurbished, like cement. So after they have leftover, they take it, they grind it up. And mm-hmm. so it's got some grit to it. It's a little rocky, has some cement dust. So it's going to be a little harder surface. So it's going to be like, I tell people it's going to be like muscle beach meets like a prison yard. You know? So what, what are you going to put on it? I envision like the, um, <clears throat> you see in the movies, uh, little, uh, little like, a trail i don't know i'm climbing something i'm going up a rope well, i'm going underneath yeah, some stuff or are you putting a, weights out there and what's, well what's i think we'll do that vision? more out in the rest of the field you know some cargo climbing nets and things like that um but this i mean it's gonna have like some strong man stuff like those atlas stones i'm gonna put bench presses out there you know and just leave we're gonna have like but the weights will be like i'm feeling real good right now so what, i could come down there shirt off get yeah, a little I mean, tan <laughs> We'll, we'll have some curl bars for your eyes. Okay. But yeah, we want to have weights like made out of cinder blocks. It's just going to have that rough, rough feel, you know? So I'm so just excited like about you. It. Just, just rough. Just rough, just rough like around me. the edges. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we got a guest in the Let's studio. Let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. Can we? Can yep. we? Yep. I'm excited about our guest. I think uh, I consider him a friend. You've you know? been talking this guy up. Have I? Yes. Well, I said he was a good storyteller. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> but but we'll see. Um, in our studio today, the first time using this uh, the new uh, the new studio is uh, Joe Silkwood. Welcome to the show, Joe. Yay, Joe. <laughs> hey. Wow. Thanks. Hey, thanks. The people went wild. You know, this isn't, it's been a long time since somebody told me I did the first thing. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I, I look forward to the pavilion. It sounds like a lot of fun. I like going to the brick house and, and we eating, appreciate so that. We'll go watch some baseball there. And and when you talked about all that sand, it mm-hmm. reminded me back in, in 1984. I got the chance to play winter ball in Cartagena, Colombia. And when we got there, the first week we were there, it poured down rain every day. Uh-huh. But then it would stop, and we had to practice on a beach. And that doesn't sound hard until you do it. 
And man, you talk about a workout when you're working out in sand. It, it just—I I hadn't even thought about that in probably 30 years. So you just brought back a good memory. We'll There's back. nothing like running in sand. <laughs> Seriously, is that what you do on your vacations to Mexico? What's that? I run around the beach. I run about 20 yards. I video it and then pretend. <laughs> <laughs> Got my workout in. <laughs> All right, Joe. We're just gonna kind of start with. So, where, where were you? Where were you born and raised at, Joe? I was uh, born and raised in East Alton, Illinois. Uh, born in Wood River Township Hospital. So I've lived here my whole life and and uh, stayed. Yeah. Um, and one thing we really want to get into is it, it, kind of the, is your is your baseball career big big baseball career, Russ. I don't know if you know this, but Joe is in the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame. Didn't know that. Are you in any Hall of Fames, Russ? No, the I alcohol of fame. I cannot say I am. Okay, well Joe is. Okay, <laughs> Joe, Joe, Joe is. So where where your baseball career started in uh, Wood River? I'm, I'm assuming. I, I played little league baseball down in East Alton for a guy named Bob Angleton. Um, you know, started playing when I was seven because back then you started when you were seven. Now mm-hmm. I think they start when they're four. <laughs> right. But uh, played down there and, and really loved it. Uh, played rec ball. That's all we had back then. And and. Uh, uh, played at East Alton River High School for Norris Dorsey. Uh, we had we had a good team. He was a great coach and had some success. Uh, so it, it actually it, it made a big difference in my life because uh, my dad uh, had died when I was 15 uh, and worked at Laclede Steel, and, and my mom was disabled. So uh, I didn't really think I'd go to college. I thought I'd go to a plant and get a job and you know support the family. And the opportunities to play baseball caused me to go to college. Not not the love of the school, mm-hmm. going to school, but the love of baseball. And I continued playing and had some success. And, and um, it's it's led to a lot of things I've done in my life. Where'd you go to college? I went to uh, I actually went to McHenry College for a semester. And uh, it was a, it was I was you know 18 years old. It was a tough transition with my mom. It was just me and my mom and uh no brothers or sisters no brothers or sisters so and she couldn't work so I, we, we were it was tight back then mm-hmm. so um it, it was really a little bit too pricey to be there uh it was a good environment but i came back home went to lewis and clark college uh, graduated from there and now play I, play baseball play baseball absolutely there. that's now, that's Nick, why i, I feel like he's i feel like he's trying to skip like like brad wells he's just trying to skip over 30 years of what he did <laughs> hey, we want to know about the baseball yes okay. <laughs> You well, see Todd's hat? Yeah. First oh. of all, I didn't get any props for this hat. And I'm going to tell you a quick story about this. So uh, our uh, one of our biggest listeners, my my best friend who lives in Chicago, Bob Yozy, uh, I was just telling him about who was going to be on the show. And I sent him a picture that I, that I got of you when you were playing for the Springfield Cardinals or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he sent back, he goes, that Springfield Cardinal hat with the, with the, uh, horizontal stripes is the ugliest hat i've ever seen so i had this one in my closet i went and put it on and then sent him a picture like where did you get that so i'm wearing that and neither one of you two even mentioned it so hey, thanks i, I just thanks. brought it up you're welcome thanks, thanks I, I noticed it right away I, that's a hat we wore when i played at little rock arkansas that was our yep. du- double a hat uh so uh I did notice it right away, but I, you know, I try to be nice as the host. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, McKendry didn't work out. Basically, fine financials. Came back right. home, went to Lewis and Clark. So, what position? Or I, I know you played. You played catcher mostly in high school, correct? I was a catcher all through little league. Uh, I didn't actually pitch until I was a senior in high school. And we had a, a, a particularly rainy spring season, which you know we're, we're prone to have around here. 
And I, I think Coach Dorsey just needed another arm. So mm-hmm. uh, we had Daryl Down and Ricky Cheatham were our two best pitchers. And uh, I had to pitch, and I had some success. Um, and then when I, went, when I went to McKendra, I went as a catcher. And then I came back to went to Lewis and Clark, and, and, and you know, how things work. Um, we only had six pitchers make grades. <laughs> but we had three catchers make grades, and the coaches came to me and said, I need you to pitch. We, we, don't, we don't have enough pitching, and we've got plenty of catching. I became a pitcher then and, and basically never caught again. So Starter, reliever? I, I started most of the time. Um, my senior year in college, uh, Bo Collins at SIU Edwardsville converted me to a reliever, and I enjoyed that. Uh, in pro ball, I, I did both. Um, I, I like starting a little bit better. Uh, because of the, you know, you could prepare, you know, you, when you start, you have five days, so you, you're absolutely prepared for your outing. When you're in relief, you're just kind of sitting around, you, you might get in, you might not. Uh, I, I enjoyed that because when you got in, it was always in a big situation. But the starting was, was was a lot easier for diet and everything. And, and when you're when you're a reliever, you're just kind of like getting leftovers. Like some guy, like the bases loaded. You're, you're you know you're only up by one. Like oh hey 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 Joe, come in take care of this. You know what I'm saying? It's like not a not a situation you created. The starting pitchers and you just kind of get handed to it. Which I and, and then you probably throw like 10, 15 warm up pitches and they say go in there and and, and save us. That's, well, that's exactly true, and there was a time that I was a long reliever, and there's nothing worse than being a long reliever because you might go – if your starting pitching is going well, you might go 10 days without pitching, mm-hmm. and, but you have to throw on the side, so you have to monitor that. And I remember Daryl Knowles, the, the old big leaguer, was one of our pitching coaches, and I told him, I said, you know, I, I feel like a mortician when I'm down here in, in, in uh, long relief. I, you know, I hate to see somebody die out there, but I need to work. <laughs> and, and he thought that was good, so he told, he told me he was going to steal that. But, uh, you know, that's kind of how you feel. You, you, you don't want your, your teammates to have a bad outing. But right. when you're in long relief, you, you know, you, you need to get in there once in a while. So I didn't do that very long. I liked starting. I started at St. Petersburg, I started. At well, this, so what, yeah. but, Bross, it's yeah. your job to back him up. Okay, I've been, trying for, I've been trying to jump in. It's impossible. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he just, they, so, he just so, wants to smooth over this thing. Yeah. So at, at Lewis and Clark, they finally they bring you to be a pitcher. And let's talk about the success you had there. Two years there. Two years there. The, the first year was tough. Uh, I, I, that was the first year I was a full-time pitcher. Uh, the second year I had a lot of success, pitched against a lot of the really, you know, I, I had a chance to pitch against the better teams, which helped me out a lot. I, I remember pitching against Tom Hinkie. And, wow. uh, and I remember there was probably 26 major league scouts there, and when Tom was out pitching, all the radar guns came up. <laughs> And then when I'd go out there, they'd all there. go down. <laughs> so it was a very humbling game. But, uh, but, but you know, he ended up having a nice career in the big leagues. And, and uh, But that that was the most scouts I'd ever seen. But they weren't there to see me. Did, Ross, did you ever play RBI baseball? It's mm-hmm. probably the only video game I've ever played in my entire life. Tom Hinkie was a stud in RBI baseball. Do you remember that? I, <laughs> he I was like not. 102 on there. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was that your freshman year that you faced him? That would have been my sophomore year. Your sophomore year, right? So I mean, at this point, you're you're having success though. Yes, I, I mean I'm you're number one uh, pitcher. Uh, you know, I probably. I mean, you know, you don't think about it at the time. You're you're playing doubleheaders every day. A guy named Chris Dowdy was a good friend of mine. He was really good. We'd we'd usually play pitch the doubleheaders against the better teams. So you're one two for sure then. Probably yeah. And then uh, so so that success then leads to SIUE. SIU Edwardsville, who, you know, Bo Collins was the coach there. I'd, I'd actually played in the men's league with him out of high school. And they, they picked me up after the Legion season to play. 
and I got to know him. And uh, at that time, I really wanted to go to SIU Edwardsville, but Roy Lee had just retired, and they hadn't named a new coach yet. And back in those days, way before you guys probably remember, but they, they were in the quarter system. So they weren't in a big hurry to hire a coach because school hadn't started yet. And that's when I, I ended up going to McKendree because I wanted to go to a four-year school out of the mm. uh, Y could. And then when he got the job, I thought, oh, hell, <laughs> I should have went there. And then back then, you had to, to, to be a double transfer, you had to graduate. So that helped me graduate from Lewis and Clark <laughs> because I, I had to graduate to be eligible the next year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and really, that's the story of my college career is it was staying eligible and doing the things I had to do. And, and, and Because and, school and wasn't really your thing is what you No, I, you know, I was like every, not every 18, 19-year-old boy, but that was, it was definitely not high on my my. Uh, priorities at that time and uh, I I played it uh, I played baseball and I I went to school uh, when I was at Lewis and Clark I remember I'm this is at my sophomore year I'm having a pretty good year and, and you know you always think when you're a kid that you might get drafted and so you're always you know eyeballing the stands to see if any scouts are there because everything was scouts back then there wasn't any video and uh, I remember uh, coach Copeland was up talking to a guy and he had a ball head on I couldn't tell who he was with and uh, they talked for a long time, and I'm out there playing catch, and you know I've got one eye on him trying to figure out who this guy <laughs> yeah. is. And pretty soon, uh, Coach Copeland's waving me in, and wanting to get my attention. And he, he uh, so I ran in, you know, and I'm I'm trying to, you know, run run right where it looks good, you know, <laughs> run right. And uh, <laughs> want to look so athletic. I yeah. want to look athletic. <laughs> I, you know, want to look like a pitcher, you know. And he introduces me to the guy and says, "You ever met him?" And I said, "No, I don't think I have." And I go, glad to meet you. And he goes, well, he's your biology teacher. <laughs> no. <laughs> and he just wanted to meet you. <laughs> so That's I didn't. That's awesome. <laughs> I did not see that coming. I now. did not either. I thought it was going to be somebody really famous. Sure. <laughs> no, I, I didn't miss biology anymore that year. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we get to SIU, some success there, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, my, my junior year, I was a starting pitcher and enjoyed that, and we had a good team. But, you know, I think Bo would tell you we, we started we, – we'd have a real good game, and then we lost some games at the end. And I think he made – he never really had a closer. And I think uh, going into my senior year, I, I threw pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And I think going into my uh, senior year, uh, he decided, and we talked about it, and to make me a closer. And we went on the the, the – the spring trip, we went to Albuquerque, and I had a blast as the closer because we we play a couple games a day. I literally threw five days in a row, and had some wins and had some saves, and I fell in love with it. The downside to it was is back then there were scouts that would see you, and a lot of times they'd come early and watch batting practice, watch infield practice, watch the first five or six innings, right. and then they'd get out of there. Well, so I didn't get the exposure that I would have had as, as a starter. So I, I didn't get drafted. I ended up signing as a, an undrafted free agent. Now, you, 1982, I think, is when you signed. Now, that's that's the, correct. That's the year Cardinals beat the Brewers, right, in the world. So you signed with them in June of 82? That's correct. Something like that. Right. Um, so how was that signing for, like, because we were having great success. That was the heat is on year, you know. Or, no, that was celebrate good times celebrate. year. Celebrate, yeah. Well, we, I <laughs> – Went over to Bush Stadium to do a tryout. We, what back then in those days, you'd get in a car and a bunch of guys would go from town to town wherever they had tryouts, and they'd, the Cardinals had invited me over. We'd went to a Minnesota Twins tryout earlier in the week, and uh, on the same day, I got a call from the Cardinals and the Twins, both offering me a contract. And 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 like I said, I was poor, 
and I was a Cardinal fan, mm-hmm. and I played at SIU Evansville. So everything I had, all my undershirts, my spikes, everything was red. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, it was, so I picked the Cardinals. It had nothing to do with like doing a little research, you know, looking at the at roster. I mean, hey, the, I think I fit in better here. No, no, no. no, no. I got red. red. I got <laughs> these red undershirts. We're going to make use of them. But that's, that's what you had to do. You don't have money. That's what you got to. Things you got to think about. Well, I went over and uh, they invited me over to the game that night. And uh, they were going to sign me, and they, they signed me to a contract. And I, you know, and I, like I said, I'm now I'm twenty, uh, I'm twenty one years old. And a guy named Paul Fox was their minor league guy. And I said, hey, you know, is there any chance? I know I wasn't drafted, but you know, I'm, I really, my family's really poor. Is there any chance I can get any kind of bonus? <laughs> and, and you know he when you signed when you signed when, with I, them? when uh-huh. I signed as an undrafted free agent yeah. so I've got no, <laughs> no leverage at all no. but I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna show my balls right off the bat <laughs> I need a bonus no <laughs> who the no. fuck are you <laughs> who the fuck is this guy he, he was actually pretty fr- friendly about it but I, I look back on it and think that was a dumbass move <laughs> but uh so he goes and uh, you're cut I haven't even signed yet. I don't care. You're cut. He he goes and gets a pair of spikes, and he has these shiny new red spikes, and he goes, uh, hey, he goes, what size shoe you wear? I said, I wear size 12. He goes, oh, that's too bad. He goes, I got a pair of size 10. He goes, that's all I've got. I go, I'll take them. (laughs) Did you sell them, or did you cram your feet into them? I I actually, uh, so. Was that your bonus? That was my bonus, <laughs> a pair of size 10 shoes that didn't fit. So I took them with me to Gastonia, which is the first place I went. And I get, I get to the ballpark the first day, and I walk out with the pitchers, and the manager says, go out there. Uh, they actually signed me as a pitcher uh, first baseman mm-hmm. because I did hit in college. I was a DH and stuff, but, you know, I was a pitcher. And he goes, you're a pitcher. So I go out, and I'm running with the – he goes, go out and run, because that's all we did back then is you mm. run. You run or you pitch. There wasn't anything else. And uh, I go out there, and all these guys are giants. I mean, I'm like the, I'm like the second shortest guy in a You're pitching six staff. You're six about 6'2", 6'3"? I'm, I was six, two and a half, six, three. I, mm-hmm. think I, I think they listed me at 6'3", and, and I'm the sh- there's only one guy shorter than me. So I go up to him. His name's Dave Bear. And I said, hey, Dave, what size shoe you wear? He goes, I wear size 10. <laughs> I go, that's great. I go, I got, I got a pair of brand-new spikes. He goes, you, want, you don't want to buy them? He goes, yeah, I'll, I'll give you 20 bucks for them. I go, sold. <laughs> So I didn't have him with me. So the next day, and, and you know, I'm in the locker room, and my I threw all my stuff in an old uh, sink that wasn't working anymore because they didn't have enough lockers. <laughs> so my, you know, the stadium was terrible. I, I got all my stuff in an old sink that doesn't work. And I so the next day I'm going to bring these shoes and I'm going to get my 20 bucks so I have my bonus. And <laughs> and uh, so I go out and I'm running the next day with the pitchers and I'm looking around. There's no Dave Bear. I'm like, where'd Dave go? So they go, we don't know, you know, he's not out here. So we're running, running, and uh, and I and I, I'd actually, I gave him the shoes the day before. He was supposed to bring me the twenty, 20 bucks. bucks. So so he's got my shoes, and I don't have his twenty bucks. That's <laughs> so that's how that worked. And and so uh, I go back in the locker room, and the and the clubhouse guy said, Hey, I got good news for you. You got a locker. Got a lot. <laughs> Bad news. It's Dave Bear. <laughs> It was Dave Bear's locker. Never saw him by again, so I, I didn't even get my 20 bucks. Did he get cut? Did he, well, yeah, they had to cut him to make room for me on the roster. <laughs> so I would go try to look him up and try to get them, you know, get my 20 yeah. bucks. I just took his the job. The poor guy just got cut. You like, <laughs> screw your 20 bucks. When would I have him to spot with the cleats? I wouldn't have the Dave Bear play any more baseball. Well, you know? He wouldn't sign for the Twins. All-star. <laughs> <laughs> him and Tom Hinkie dominated. <laughs> So, um, 
So I think three seasons, three 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 years, six seasons. You played. Yeah, I played in, three in the minor seasons. Leagues. Played three seasons. Uh, got to play winter ball uh, all three years too. So uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I was playing an instructional league in '82. You talked about '82. So I, I I only pitched in one game at Gastonia and, and was in front of uh, a guy named George Kissel, who everybody yeah knows. George Kissel, heck yeah, famous. K- Kissel happened to be there, and I you know I came in and I was you know I was super pumped up. I hadn't thrown a baseball in, you know uh, in anger in ten days, and I was throwing real hard. And, and the guy we talked about relieving early, the guy that he came to watch, they needed a starting pitcher in St. Petersburg, and he just got roped. Mm-hmm. And so. This my manager had never seen me pitch, so he thought, oh, I'll throw Sokol in and see what he can mm-hmm. do. And I just I threw gas and had a really good outing. The next day, so you're just basically in the mop up. Yeah, I'm in the mop up, and uh-huh. I, I have no idea. You know, I'm just trying to impress somebody and try to get out there again. Yeah. So the next day, they bring me in and they they tell me I'm going to St. Petersburg. <laughs> so you got the promotion ahead well, of the starting pitcher. I, I got the promotion, but at the time, I didn't even know if it was a promotion or not. I, uh-huh. I didn't know if I'd been demoted or what it was. And and then all these guys said, "Hey, that's our high A team. What are you doing?" And I we pitched one game, but Kissel was there, and you know, right place, right time. At, you uh-huh. know, finally, after not being seen all through college, so it was. It was a pretty cool story. Went to uh, St. Petersburg and played for a guy named Jim Riggleman who ended up managing. Jim Riggleman, yeah, but managed the Cubs. He managed the Cubs for a while, yeah. Managed the Cubs, managed the Nationals, I think managed the Reds. Great baseball guy. He was a George Kissel disciple. And he God, was, he might, Riggleman might still be coaching in the majors. He might be. I'm not sure. He, you know, he, he's been back and forth as a bench coach now. Um, but he, he was really sharp and really good to play for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed playing for Jim. Uh, he, and he coached us in the instructional league too, uh, which was just a lot of fun. A lot of the guys that played there ended up making it to the big leagues. Uh, and uh, I threw strikes so they could find out if the outfitters could go back on a fly ball. Um, so who who'd you play with? In the, any guys you played with in the Cardinal organization that, that we would have heard of? Oh yeah, I mean, I you know I lived with Todd Worrell and oh, Todd, so. now and when now. I was a kid, I loved me some Todd <laughs> Worrell just because. Todd and Todd, I, I was t- we go out and play wiffle ball. I was Todd Worrell every time. He was like what eighty six rookie of the year or something like that. I think so. Yeah, I, yeah. I played. I lived. I lived with him in nineteen eighty four in Little Rock, and he was one of the nicest people, and, and just had so much ability. And, and you know when you when you're a guy like me, and and you're up against you know standing next to a guy like that, and you realize there's a difference. You know, <laughs> right. I, I, I thought I was pretty good, and, and then you watch him, and you're thinking, man, this guy's next level. And he was throwing harder than anybody at that time. Yeah. And uh, I remember he was in big league camp in 84, and he hadn't played long in the minor leagues. And, and there was a chance that he was going to make the team. And uh, then he didn't. And they sent him all the way to double A. And at that time, he was a starter. So uh, uh, we played our first double A game in Shreveport, uh, Louisiana. And uh, I'm sitting there with Pat Perry, who was another guy that made it to the big leagues. And we're sitting in the bullpen. I was a reliever at that time. And and Todd just blows away the first two hitters. I mean, he's just throwing gas. First of all, he's, he throws hard. Mm-hmm. Second of all, he's pissed off because he's not, you know, he's in double A and not, yeah. you know, he thought he, <laughs> yeah. he thought he might make the big league team. And then uh, I looked at Pat and I said, man, there is nobody in this league going to hit him. And then a guy named Matt Noakes who ended up coming up and playing in the big leagues with the, I think he played with the Yankees for a while. He played with the Giants. He hit a ball out of the stadium over an oak tree. Against Worrell? Oh, against Worrell. The third batter he faced. And I, I looked at Pat Perry and I said, I can't pitch in this league. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that's that's awesome. Uh, somebody had told me something about you had a, kind of a story about Lonnie Smith and George Hendricks from back then. That yeah, now they were both on the '82 World Series team, right? Right. So in '83 in, in spring training, whenever the Cardinals would have to play a, a spring training game on the other side of the state, Whitey would send big leaguers down to the minor league camp to play with us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so I played in a game. Bruce Suter was pitching. Uh, George Hendrick was playing the outfield for us. Jeff Lottie was one of the pitchers. And then on the field next to us, Lonnie Smith was playing. So George is playing for us, and uh, he goes up to the plate, and, and he's pretty uninterested in, in what's going on. He's had to get so many at-bats, and he'd be done for the day. And he uh, takes a 3-2 pitch and starts to walk back to the dugout. And the, the A-ball umpire calls it ball four because it's George Hendrick. Makes, <laughs> makes him go to first. So he gets done. And, and so we're uh, – and I'm, I'm a pitcher then, so I'm shagging foul balls. That's what you do yeah. when, you're, when you're not pitching, you know, in minor league camp. You're shagging foul <laughs> out balls. Out in the parking lot. So I'm, and, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a big Cardinal fan, so I'm, having, I'm getting a, just a blast out of watching both, both fields so I can yeah. see all these big leaguers play. So Lonnie's on deck, and 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 uh, the guy before him makes the third out in the inning, and and George wants to leave, and they rode together. So, <laughs> so so George is looking at Lonnie, goes, "Come on, man, let's go." He goes, "Let's get out of here." He go, Lonnie goes, "No, no, George, I want one more at bat, one more at bat." And George goes, "No, come on, let's go." So, long story short, Lonnie wins, and he goes out to the outfield. He's going to get that one more at bat. So George sets in the the bleachers, and it's just like you know high school bleachers. And you know George is a huge man, so he's yeah. he's laying back in his bleachers, and he you know he's he's playing it up. You know he's acting like he's really disgusted. Lonnie's out in the outfield. Well, this is an A ball game, and the guy pitching for the A ball club can't throw strikes. And this inning goes for like 20 minutes. They actually, they actually have to make a pitching change in a in a spring training A ball game. And George is just can't believe it. So they finally get the third out, and Lonnie comes in and does not make eye contact with George at all because <laughs> yeah. he knows George is going to be pissed. Right. And George is still sitting there. So Lonnie, he goes up to the plate, he gets his glove on. He does, you know, Lonnie had some some things he did before he hit. Goes goes in the batter's box. First pitch, he takes strike one. Gets out, re- readjusts his gloves, gets back in the batter's box, takes strike two, and then uh, steps out, readjusts his gloves and everything. Gets back in the batter's box and takes strike three. Never swings the bat. <laughs> he he turns around, starts walking back towards the dugout, tosses his bat to the side, and says, "Okay, George, I'm ready to go." <laughs> That's a, George Hendrick was a big, intimidating-looking man, too, right? Old Silent, they called him Silent George. You know, they called him Silent George, but he was a great guy. I, he, he got burned by some reporters in, it, uh, in Cleveland, and, mm-hmm. and he didn't like to talk to the press. But with the players, I mean, he was extremely popular and, and was really a funny guy. He just, he just didn't get along with the press. Yeah. Um, and, and so that, that was around, like— was Pendleton and them and Vince Coleman and those guys? That was, that, yeah. that was around their years, right? Yeah, I played with uh, Terry and, and Vince and and um, gosh, what? It's unbelievable. Me, me and Terry became <laughs> we, me and Terry were really close friends. He was he was from Oxnard, California, and he had did, a. Similar... Did he have the biggest butt in baseball back in that day? <laughs> His butt was the size of a Volkswagen. Do you remember that? But he could jump. I you know he could well he could dunk a basketball barefoot wow and he was about five eight or five nine oh I mean and he uh, was he was as he wide was, as he was bit tall he he was his when you you know would if you saw him and I don't want to say if you saw him in the locker room because that sounds kind of weird but he was he was solid as a rock uh-huh. he just he just was built that way he was 
he was thick, but he was strong. There was no fat on the man. Yeah. And he was very athletic. Because he, he looked chunky he, in his he, uniform. He did, but he wasn't. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, you couldn't hardly pinch the guy. He was, you know, he was wrapped so tight. And that's the way Vince was, but Vince had a different build. But Terry could, like I said, he could dunk, dunk a basketball barefoot. He was a tr- tremendous athlete. He played, he played the outfield for Fresno State. And when the Cardinals signed him, Tommy Herr was having knee problems. So they, they taught him how to play second base because they knew he'd shoot through the organization. And then Herr had knee surgery, and, and it worked. So then they moved him to third base, and he ended up coming up as a third baseman. But he was a college outfielder. He had the same kind of background. I mean, you'd like Terry. Terry was a poor kid like I was, and mm-hmm. we became good friends. We'd actually time our, our flights into Tampa. We had to fly into Tampa for St. Peter's, St. Petersburg uh, uh, spring training. And he'd fly from uh, Los Angeles, and I'd fly from St. Louis. But we'd set it up where we'd land at a similar time in Tampa so we could ch- share a taxi cab because we were trying to save money. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, we were, I mean, we were poor. <laughs> right. Let's, uh, if you don't mind me asking, what, what was pay back then for players in, at that level? Well, my, my first year, uh, we got, you know, no bonus. We had $600. Yeah, well, we know you got no bonus. Right. Yeah. I got 20 bucks. That's still, yeah, coming. still out there. I don't know what the interest on that 20 bucks is, but I'm still hoping I get that someday. 600 bucks a, a month, and you had to have a you had to pay for your own place to eat and obviously your own food when you're at home. I, no I would have guessed less. Uh, I yeah. really yeah. six hundred wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Once you take out rent, and you know, we we lived in some really bad bunch uh, of you crammed into one. Yeah, place you and... did. You'd, you'd get a bunch of guys together, and uh, you know, and it was a free for all. But then you go on the road. We like going on the road because you got meal money. I was going to say and, per yeah. you got to get yeah. per diem, and, and that was ten bucks. And, and so you know, they wanted you to eat really well. You could tell because they gave you ten bucks to eat <laughs> <laughs> for the day. So you can imagine what we had to eat. I mean, I remember going to some places and we'd eat at the Waffle House, you know, all day. And uh, it was better when you got to Double A because they'd have a spread afterwards, peanut butter uh, and jelly. <laughs> Probably looking for those buffets out there, all you can eat. <laughs> um, and then as you go up in level, so Double A pay gets yes, pay goes up. Yeah, I, my my last contract was a, a AAA contract, and I was probably making sixteen hundred a month or something like that. The most money I ever made was in, in South American winter ball, and uh, it was it was good pay, and it was it was hundred dollar bills. There was no taxes down there, <laughs> yeah. making it rain and down it was there. Todd's language, <laughs> so it was it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, that was my big leagues. I mean, we played. We got to the World Series down there, uh, and. Uh, we you know we'd play in front of twenty five twenty six thousand fans. Wow! Oh wow! And uh, it was cool. I mean, that was my big leagues. Yeah. You know, I, I that's that was the best. Well, let's back it up in. a little bit and see how you got there. Okay. Well, that that was after uh, eighty four. I was in uh, winter ball. Or eighty four. I was in double A. Uh, started off in relief there and uh, was glad to make the team. I mean, it was you know they the Cardinals organization. First of all, like you said earlier, the early eighties was a great time to be in the Cardinals organization. But it was also a very hard stacked. time because they were stacked. I mean, uh, I, I, and I'll back up even further to tell you a little story because it's 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 amusing to me, uh, and hopefully it's amusing to somebody. But but uh, when I played at St. Petersburg, Bobby Meacham was our shortstop, and then at Double A they had a guy named Jose uh, Gonzalez who changed his name to Jose Uribe, and then at Triple A they had a shortstop named Rafael Santana. He needed to get a little younger. And <laughs> and now. Uh, so after that year, they all those guys were backed up because some guy named Ozzie Smith was playing shortstop <laughs> in St. Louis. So he had all these shortstops backed up, 
And so in the offseason, they traded all three of those guys, and all three of them were in the big leagues the next year. Uh, Meacham wow. was with the Yankees, Ruby was with the Giants, and Santana was with the Mets. That's how backed up they were at shortstop. So those kind of things happened. Well, as a pitcher, the Cardinals were, were loaded. You know, Whitey uh, had, you know, it was the heyday. You know, I, I was there in 82 through, uh, I got released in uh, 85 spring training. But they, they like, were. Was that like a Danny Cox and John Tudor? Was that that yeah. that, that era? Yeah, Danny. Danny was always a year ahead of me as far as where he played. And, and as a matter of fact, uh, I'm. Uh, if you want a Danny quick Danny Cox story, I'm pitching at uh, Davenport, Iowa against the Cubs, and Sean Dunstan's there, and he's he's one of the top prospects mm-hmm. in, in all of baseball, and he's playing as a rookie, and he squares around a bunt, and I didn't expect it because he was such a good hitter. And I threw my best fastball and hit him right in the nuts. <laughs> and, and made the stars come out. And and, and, and charge? Then, no. Well, he wasn't <laughs> charging either. He was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> half hour later. <laughs> but he, he got to first base, and you know nobody said anything because he couldn't talk. And and uh, he got to first base, and I remember the next day I I read the the news article. And he said, I don't know what that guy's problem is. He hit, he hit me last year, too. You? And, and I didn't. I wasn't even there last uh-huh. year. But Cox had hit him the year before, uh-huh. too. And he thought I was Danny Cox. So, Danny uh, Cox was a giant of a man, he wasn't was he? was a giant well, there was a, there was a story, and I'm not going to tell it right, but it's something about his like his brother-in-law was, was being mean to his sister, and Danny jumped on a flight, flew home, and, and beat the crap out of him. And I think he might have broke his hand while he was doing it. That may have happened. Something like that. Yeah, I, I might have just made that up. No, but. it might have happened, and it might have been Alabama's where he ended up flying back to. <laughs> it was it was something it was, like that. He he no. jacked his brother-in-law in the process, broke it, his hand. That was a legendary story. Uh, but that that yeah, that's that's as legend goes, that happens. Ken Force was it? Ken? Bob Force. Bob Force. Bob yeah. Force. Back his era too, right? Bob Force was uh, the reason. If you look at my license plates, uh, I have thirty-one on my license plates, and I I always wore. 31 when I went into coaching after I got out of baseball. And it was because we were, we, you know, as minor leaguers, they'd, they'd bring big leaguers down to talk to us. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so one day we're out on a backfield, and, and they all, they've got all the pitchers there. And Bob Forge came down and talked to us. And there was a guy who was a really good major league pitcher, just kind of played in the wrong era. Uh, I mean, but, you know, he threw two no-hitters in the big leagues and was really good. But he was there just before the Cardinals became good again. But what a nice man, what a knowledgeable man, and he absolutely wanted all of us to do well. And I was so impressed by him that, that I, 31 became my number. Huh. And, uh, you know, it was, it was fun because later, you know, later in spring training, they had Billy Lyons from Alton, Illinois, who I knew, come down and, and go over all the infield cutoffs and relays. And uh, I was like, hey, I know that guy, man. I, you know, he went to Alton High School, you know. But it, that, that was those were always neat days when they'd bring. And Whitey was big on that. He'd bring guys down, and, and, and he wanted everybody to play the game the same way. But Bob Forsch was one of the finest human beings I've ever met. And you know, tragically, he died at a fairly young age. But but what a, you know, he's one of those guys I never thought got the credit for being a really good player because mm-hmm. you know, the teams he played on were, wasn't like the the '80s teams, right? Later. So how did uh, how did your baseball career end? Your, your, as a player, did it just did you get injured? Or did it come to a point like just can just I take not, one little step back? Yep, sure. when, when you got cut by the Cardinals, they give you a reason. I mean, they pull you in. Is it hey we we got too many at this roster? I didn't know Brett Hawkins was on. He had a pretty good explanation about how his 
has happened? I, I actually asked for my release. Um, I had played uh, in AA in 84, and then I went to winter ball in Cartagena, South America, and, and went 9-3 and three there and, and uh, was one of the top pitchers in the league. Came to, came to spring training and was, on, was working out with the AAA team. Jim Fogosi was the manager. And I hadn't given up a run yet in spring training in AAA games. And uh, Fergosi and Lee Thomas, who's another great baseball guy, they, they called me and they said, look, we think you can pitch at AAA. We think your stuff's good enough to pitch at AAA. But we don't think your stuff's good enough to pitch in the big leagues. So what we want you to do is we want you to go back to A ball and throw knuckleballs. And uh, I said, I, you know, I don't want to do that. I said, I, they wanted I, to make you a knuckleball pitcher. They wanted to make me a knuckleball pitcher, and and I just, I, you know, I was I was having success. Um, Sounds like it. But 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 they they actually knew better, you know, at the time though, uh, and I had an agent then, and we talked about it, and I, I took a week, uh, and talked about it, and went down and, and worked out with the A team and and threw some knuckleballs, you know, I was I was so old by then. I mean, I was twenty four. <laughs> and you know, and I thought that was old yeah. because I was back in A ball. I look back on it now, and I, you know, I, you know, there's some remorse about doing that. But what I did it for was I thought that because I'd pitched so well in Double A, and then because I'd pitched so well in Winter Ball, the you know, after talking with my agent, he thought, well, hey, you know, somebody else will pick you up. But what I didn't realize then, and now I, you know, it's, it's, it should be should have been obvious. Spring training is the worst time to get released because everybody's got too many players. So they're trying to cut their rosters down. They're not trying to add people. So I went to places. I mean, I went to the Texas Rangers camp, and every time I'd ever pitched against the Texas Rangers, I'd shoved it, man. I mean, they, they, they never had a good game against mm-hmm. me. And they just said, look, we're trying to get rid of guys. And I knew I was in trouble then because I thought if anybody would want me, they would because yeah. they, they haven't got a hit off me in three years. <laughs> right. But so so that's what I did. Um, you know, I, I had a chance later that summer. I came and started playing summer ball, and I had a chance to resign. And, uh, you know, when they tell you you're not going to make it to the big leagues, that's kind of that's kind of what you want to do. And I had a lot of respect for Fergosi. He'd managed in the big leagues. And Lee Thomas was a great guy. And I think they were just being honest. And sometimes – you know, I, I think I got as far as I could with my ability, and 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 uh, you know, so I accept that as as, as an outcome. Uh, I, I wish I hadn't asked for my release. I mean, that was kind of a a hard thing. Trusted to, the process to, a little bit. And yeah, seeing what happened. I wish I'd have gave it a little bit of a shot. Yeah. I, I, you know, I thought twenty. Like I said, I thought right. I, was old. I thought I was old at twenty four. So yeah, but. And then so so the next year is that when you go to South America? I, I'd already been to South America when oh. I got released. So okay. that was it. I I, I left. South America that winter, went to spring training and, uh, uh, you know, was pitching well, and, and but they, they gave me the, the speech, you yeah. know. And, and, uh, they thought you peaked, huh? Is that what it was probably? Yeah, I mean, they, they didn't think I would, they, they, you know, I think they were honest with me. They thought I could mm-hmm. pitch a triple A, but yeah. they didn't think I had good enough stuff to get to the big leagues. I walked into the, the locker room afterwards and, and um, you know, you're by yourself. They go come out and get you in a golf cart when they, you know. <laughs> And, and nobody likes to see that golf cart toward, yeah. towards the end of spring training. And I'm riding in the golf cart back to the locker room, and I know what I'm going to say, and I know how it's going to mm-hmm. end because I've already made up my mind. And uh, the Cardinals had a, a left-handed pitcher named John Young who was their best left-handed pitching project or prospect since Steve Carlton. And he's in the locker room cleaning out his locker. And, I, you know, and this guy, I mean, they're talking about him since Steve Carlton, the best prospect. And I go, John, I know why I'm here. Why are you here? He goes, man, I just got traded. 
I go, you got traded? He goes, yeah, I got traded to the Mets for some guy named Jose Oquendo. <laughs> <laughs> the secret weapon, and, Ross. <laughs> and uh, so I can remember on the day that the day that I got released was the day that the Cardinals traded for Oquendo. So I could look it up and figure out when I got released. <laughs> yeah. Did uh, John Young ever become anything? I've never heard of him. No. John no. John pitched in AAA with the Mets and hurt his arm. And that's the story of a lot of guys. I mean, there's, there's so many talented players that I played against that just look like can't-miss prospect. Mm-hmm. But – you know, a pitcher blows his arm out, or, or uh, you know, an everyday player blows out a knee or something and can't come back. Uh, it mm-hmm. just, you see a lot of that. It's, it's so difficult to, to go up every level, and and then there was guys that made it, that that I scratched my head because I was ahead of them, and, and but they kept getting better, and mm-hmm. I'd kind of stopped. So uh, yeah. you know, it, it's it's neat to look back, and and like there's a couple guys that made it to the big leagues that that uh, you know I pitched in front of that that I didn't even think had a chance and they made it to the big leagues and did fine and then uh there's guys that i would have i would have bet the house if i could have afforded one uh, <laughs> that, they, that they made it and, and they didn't so uh you just never know it's a it's a very difficult business yeah um and that's when you started your coaching career though is, i did right out right out as soon as you got uh as soon as you got your release yeah i i, I think the first year uh I, I took off uh played a little bit in the summer and then uh bo asked me to come out and, and coach at siu Edwardsville, and i liked that a lot i i ended up coaching out there and he was still the head coach he's, there oh yeah he's still and the so coach. you went to be a pitching coach went, well you know i i handled the pitchers but i was kind of an assistant coach which i, I liked better mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to really pigeonhole myself into just being a pitching coach uh coached coach with him for two years out there and um then um lewis and clark job came open so i i, I took that job uh did that for three years uh the, when i was coaching at siu Edwards, i was actually working for the village of east alton for for bob angleton in the, in the parks mm-hmm. department so i was a part-time gig so then lewis and clark offered me you know he doubled my salary which i think made it twenty four thousand a year <laughs> right and and so i took that job because I, I i still was poor i still had you know hadn't done anything and uh you're about 25 26 yeah I was, uh, when i took the job at lewis and clark i was 28. 28. so uh, so i you know I, at that time i needed to get moving a little bit mm-hmm. uh coached out there for three years had a wonderful experience uh, now did you quit at the city yeah, I had to. Yes. Yeah, I quit at the city and went out there. And then uh, then something opened up with the village. Uh, so I was able to come back and work for a little bit more money there. And then Bo took me back, and I coached seven more years out at SIU with Bo. So, and, you know, Bo's a Hall of Fame coach. He had over 1,000 wins. He's in the College Hall of Fame. So he was a good mentor. And the thing he did to me, or did for me, it depends on your viewpoint, is <laughs> when I was coaching with him, one of the perks of coaching – was that I could get master's degree courses uh, at no charge. And now, believe it or not, now I'm a good student. So, so, <laughs> so all those years I wasn't a very good student. Now after I got back out of pro ball, then I matured a little bit, and I, w- I became a really good student. So I ended up getting a master's in, in uh, public administration. And then that's, that's kind of been my career path after that, and that was just because I wanted to coach baseball. So, it, you know, baseball just, it just kept me going forward and and has has, has facilitated a, a good life for me but it it all kind of comes back to baseball and sports and the people i've met and things i've done yeah i mean look it's, it seems like everything in your life kind of led from baseball even though you didn't 
you know, make a career out of it. It went, you know, that's what got you to college. That what that's what got your master's paid for and kind of put you where you are today. That's awesome. Absolutely. It's it's a lot more fun. To, you know, I've, I made the least amount of money playing baseball. And it's the most fun to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> right. And coached at Marquette. Also coached baseball there for four, three or four years. I coached there for four years at the varsity level. Um, uh, my my youngest two children both went to Marquette, uh, Alexis and Anthony. And, and uh, so I was uh, – Anthony was a sophomore, and they asked me to help out with the JV team. Mm-hmm. I said, sure, I can do that, I yeah. think. You know, and, and I'm coaching it. Well, the, the JV coach got sick and uh, never was able to coach that year, so I ended up coaching it uh, all year. Uh, and then Anthony got called up to the varsity, so here I am coaching the JV, and Anthony, you know, we're on different fields, and he's playing on the varsity field. But So then we went, went and golfed afterwards, and Greg DeCourcy, the Hall of Fame coach there, took me golfing with Tim Fannenstock and, and Steve Angelo. And, uh, I have to call Tim Fannenstock today, actually. Yeah, you know, he was one of my assistants there. And they, they all took me golfing, and I thought it was just for fun. And, uh, like, on the third hole, Greg told me that he was going to retire. And, and I spent third hole, fifth beer, something. Yeah, you know, I, they they they'd, they'd soften me up a little bit by then. They were trying to soften me up a little yeah. bit. So we we uh, so I spent the whole third hole and the start of the fourth hole uh, trying to talk him into not retiring. Yeah. Uh, and then by the fifth hole, they talked me into being the coach. <laughs> so. um, now, where where were you working at the time? I was still working for the village of East Hall. Gotcha. So and, doing what? Just just at that time, I was the treasurer. Uh, so, gotcha. So uh, I worked for Fred Bride. He was real good about, uh, you know, I can manage my time. And, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, we never, you know, with with three kids that played ball, we, we really didn't go on vacations. We went yeah. on <laughs> sports trips. trips. Yeah. And so it, it worked out pretty good. And I enjoyed that experience. I, you know, met some good people and, and uh, had a really good experience there. But I uh, got third in state one year, 2012. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, Nick Shrank was a first-team All-Stater for me. I see Nick every now and then. He, He's up selling real estate, I think, in Alton or something. So, um, just kind of touching on his kids a little bit, and that's that's one of the subjects I want to talk about because he's <laughs> raised champions. So he he texted on he he, he uh, talked about his daughter Alexis Silkwood that played at Marquette. Uh, so let me give let me give you some stats. Break it down. Let me give you some stats. You might want to you might want to take this man out as a mentor with your daughters. <laughs> all right. So she 124 wins while pitching at Marquette. 124 four years. A hundred shutouts. One hundred and twenty-four wins in four years. A hundred shutouts. So a hundred in those out of those one hundred and twenty-four wins, a hundred were shutouts. Here, here's this is my favorite stat. Fifty-four of those games were no hitters. Woo! And then she had one thousand nine hundred and seven <laughs> strikeouts. It's <laughs> pretty good. So that's not. That's not that's, bad. That's not too bad. To, uh, I mean, how many games? How many games a year they play in softball? 30, 35? <laughs> They were playing probably uh, – they, they got to the state tournament three of those four years, so they were playing a lot. I think they, they got played, second, ended up getting second one year. Yep, second and a third and fourth, I think, and then they got upset in a super sectional one year. But they, they probably were playing 34, 35 games a year, I think. But wow. she, no. she, you know, softball, you can pitch every game. Dan Weedman did a great job. She yeah. right place, right time. You know, she could pitch as a freshman, which you have to pitch as a freshman yeah, to have those to. kind of numbers. And uh, But she was really good. Uh, you know, she played and uh, she won some state tournaments and, and – select ball and uh want to get some hot wings after this talk a little little raising daughters daughters. yeah (laughs) well you know her her mom was a a a college pitcher too so uh so it didn't come from you it didn't come from me you know you know uh, we 
we uh, I had two daughters that pitched uh, very well, and uh, and then my son, and and, uh, and he ended up being a pitcher after he was a, an infielder. So, oh. but they they grew up on a ball field. We were, I was I was so fortunate as a dad to have three kids that love sports. Uh, not that that I wouldn't have loved them any differently, but man, I you know I love sports, and they just really they they really excelled in it and liked it. So. So, Ross, I, I one time in football in high school, I, I'm brag about myself a little bit. I got, play, I got player of the game, okay? Alexa Silkwood, though, she got post-dispatch player of the decade. Whoa. Okay, now I got player of the game once, and she got player of the decade in softball. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's pretty – so, yeah. Who, so she, who said you got player of the game? What's that? Who said this? I don't – Mom. <laughs> Mom said it. Mom had no idea what was going on <laughs> in football. Uh, so she went on to play at Mississippi State, correct? And, and still holds a bunch. Of, she holds the, uh, what does she hold there? Like the, the wins record, or the shutout records, complete game records. Yeah. Uh, even at Mississippi State. All the records. She, she had a nice career at Mississippi State. Uh, really, her sophomore year was, was just an awesome year. And then she got hurt a little bit her junior year, didn't pitch as much. Had a good, solid senior year. Uh, got drafted by the Akron Racers, played professional softball for three years or so, and, and got into coaching. And uh, she's down in Biloxi, uh, Mississippi, coaching at a high school now and teaching uh, high nice. school. Nice pass it. See, just yep, it's so, in the blood. Yeah. Were Were you coaching at Marquette when she was in college? No, I, actually, that's what caused me to resign at Marquette. So you go watch. I, I, I stayed. You know, I missed her games in high school. I saw her summer games. I was always coaching Anthony too. It was mm-hmm. that's the the downside is when all your kids play is you you miss games. And I I so I'd see her in the summer. I didn't see much of her high school. By the time they went to the state tournament, I get to go see those games. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then when she graduated from Marquette, I I resigned as that uh, head baseball coach there and basically said that uh you know i needed to watch my my daughter play four years of college softball mm-hmm. and i signed it alexis's dad because by that time that's that's <laughs> yeah. what i was was alexis's yeah. dad so um so anthony was a stud athlete himself so ross he gets he you know, has a great high school career and then once he goes out becomes a marine goes in the marines for six years gets out and ends up going to the university of louisville which is a top-notch program too anthony has a really fun story um he he didn't he he likes I I never told him this now he'll know after he listens that to you this didn't how, like school. how bad I didn't like school <laughs> but uh, he was the same as me the, the uh-huh. two girls man I mean they'd get home from school and they'd do their homework Anthony would start on his homework the same as me you yeah. know an hour before it was due that's when yeah. you start working on your homework so he he got that from me I never admitted to that before so <laughs> but so he didn't like school he, he gets out of he gets out of school uh, you know he graduates from Marquette. He doesn't want to go to college. He, he tried it a little bit, didn't like it. Uh, he's not he's not getting a job. Mm-hmm. So we had the, the talk that a lot of fathers had with their sons about, look, you, you, you don't have to go to college. There's a lot of good jobs out there without going to college. Uh, you, you don't have to go get a job right now. You can go to college. But you can't lay on the couch all day. So right. you, so you got to do something. So he did. We were, we were in the middle of two wars, and, and he comes back and announces that he's, he's signed up to be a Marine. And... Um, and uh, whoa, whoa, you're like, whoa, whoa, hold uh, on. That's whoa, not whoa, like what we I was going to talk this. about what you're going to do. Don't <laughs> I said, get off the couch. Right. <laughs> and he took it a little bit farther. So, uh, so that you go, had to be proud. I was, I was very proud. I was very scared. You know, I, you mm-hmm. know, um, uh, it's, it's a, it's a strange emotion. You're tremendously proud. I mean, when he went to swear in and he, and they're swearing all these guys in and then gals in and, and the, the person that was talking said, look, you know, th- these are all volunteers. 
and they just volunteered while we're at two wars. You got you parents need to think about how mm. big that is, and uh, and I hadn't heard it you know put that way, and it really it really uh, meant something, and it still does. You know when we when we think about you know men going off to fight wars, we think about these grizzled old guys, but but it's not. It's it's eighteen, nineteen, twenty year old boys, yeah. boys going off and fighting these wars. You know. Well, yeah, he was probably shaving once a month at that time, you know? <laughs> right? And uh, you know, so he he. Uh, and he was he was always a good kid. He was never in trouble, but but he he wasn't very focused. Mm-hmm. So then you know, like thirteen weeks later, uh, I go out to San Diego, and different kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, of all the the dad uh, conversations and all the coach conversations, I didn't explain it like these drill sergeants did, <laughs> and, and and he was just totally organized and and I mean I mean just it was he was a different kid. And uh, you know the five—it was five years he was in, and and the, and, uh, the deployment. He—he—he uh, he, he burned off uh, steam. He said by working out, and he just got huge. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, you know, he's he, put together. Yeah, he—he's just a big, big strong kid now, and he was always kind of a lanky kid. Uh, I mean, he was a—he was a shortstop, and then so he—he—he he, he got so big that he, when he came out, he wanted to play baseball. And, uh, so after he, five years in after the five, Marines, five said, years in the Marines, he, you know, he had some, and I, I should, I shouldn't just gloss over this part is, you know, he played on, when he came back after his deployment, he, he got picked to play on the Marines, uh, softball, slow pitch softball team. Mm-hmm. And they have a big armed services tournament. And then out of that armed services tournament, they picked like an all-star team that actually went to Oklahoma city and played in the national, uh, slow pitch tournament as the armed services team. And he got picked for that. So the, one of the first times I saw him was in Oklahoma City playing for the United States uh, Armed Services. So it was really cool. Yeah. And uh, so he, he, you know, but he got that. He started getting that bug, uh, you know, about playing, mm-hmm. uh, being competitive. You know, it, you know, all of us that played anything. We, it, it's it's it doesn't take much to get us going again. So he's doing that now. He's thinking, hey, when I get out, I want to try to play baseball again. And I said, well, you should because what I told him is, is you know, as much as I didn't want to tell him about my college start. I never tell stories about my math class in college or my biology class in, in college. I tell we talk about the trip or the game or Good the bench point. clearing brawl or something. Those are the things we talk about, the the, the things that we did. And uh, he sent out e- he sent out emails to all kinds of coaches in the Midwest, and a guy from John Wood College, uh, community college, uh, responded to him. Was the only one that responded to him. Hmm. And so he went up there and played for a year, and uh, he. Uh, Unfortunately, his second year there, he, he blew out his arm and had to have Tommy John surgery. So I thought, well, that'd be the, that'd be the end of that. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, yeah, he'd been a Marine now, so he, yeah. he was going to – so he did, went through the whole uh, rehab and everything and, and, um, and, and ended up his, his last year. Now, he had, he had Tommy John surgery in there. He had a pandemic that wiped out a season. And so he, he'd only used two years of eligibility, I think, because, you know, I think he still had two more years left. And uh, but he, he ended up at Louisville, and and they had you know they were ranked as high as second in the nation last year when he was there, and uh, you know he didn't get to pitch much there. They had a lot of guys. I mean they had seven kids get drafted, so they were pretty yeah. good. But it was a lot of fun, and it was a great experience for him. And 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 he and now he's you know he he, he has a criminal justice degree. He had the, he had the Marine background. He thought he was going to go into law enforcement. But he's got the coaching bug now. So he went to uh, University of Illinois Springfield actually tried to recruit him to play because they knew he had two more years of eligibility. Yeah. And he said, no, you know, I'm done playing. I need to I need to start making some money. 
and uh, and he so they hired him as a coach, and he was the pitching coach there. And then the head coach at Parkland College uh, took a job with the Texas Rangers uh, at Christmas, and he went over and interviewed for that job, and he got a head coaching job already. So he's the head coach at Parkland College, and and doing really well. So and I'm, and you know as a dad. Uh, I, I love the fact that he's doing baseball. Uh, I, you know, uh, he had opportunities to, to to go back over as a contractor or something in the mm-hmm. military, and that scared the heck out of me because that's, you know, that's a dangerous job, you know. Uh, so uh, he said those jobs come open a lot, and I said, yeah, <laughs> they do. I bet. <laughs> Ask why. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's always, always positions to fill. Yeah. Um, so uh, me and Joe were out to dinner. This has been a few years ago. And one of his former players was, was at dinner with us, okay? And he's actually a, a Madison County uh, deputy now. And so he was telling a story about Joe coaching. I think it was Junior Legion or Legion or something. And they were playing, playing down in New Orleans, okay? Now, this is, this, is what, this is the kind of coach Joe is, okay? And these kids were about, what, 18, 19, well, 20 years old, yeah, something like was, that? he was probably 18 or 19. It was when I was coaching at Lewis and Clark Community okay, College. Okay, Lewis and Clark. So they're down in New Orleans, okay? Right. And so they get done playing. Was it a Saturday night? Saturday night. And they were able to go out. But the bus is going to leave the next day at 8 a.m.? 6 a.m. 6 a.m. So Joe sends them out on, on the town to do whatever 18 and 19 year olds are going to do down on Bourbon Street. But he says, 6 a.m., we out the dope. All right? So what? not all of them made, got back by 6 a.m. What do you think Joe was doing at 6.01? Driving down. How, how many got left? He was the only one. Uh, my, my assistant coach barely made it. He he, he got there at like five fifty nine, and uh, I don't know what time Eric got back to the hotel because we we left him. Um, so he was eighteen, nineteen. Joe's like, we're out of here. I told you six a.m. I you know, and and I take a lot of heat for that, but you got to remember, I, here's a coach that just gave him a six a.m. curfew. Yeah. You know who does that? So I, right. I I knew they wanted to have some fun on Bourbon Street. I didn't think they'd stay out all night. Uh, I, but but there's a lot to do on Bourbon Street when you're 18, 19 well, years yeah. old. Yes. Was it a, was it a van or a bus? It was. We were in two vans. Uh, How and, bad did that van smell on the way? Um, <laughs> yeah, I had to drive it. And the thing well, about well, it is, rewind. Re- How did this guy get home? Well, I, I I had arranged with some parents that they would take home uh, any stragglers that that didn't make curfew. So I didn't. I just didn't let him fend for himself. But I had some parents lined up, and he, but he so, probably thought he was going to fend for himself. Oh, he absolutely did, and yeah. and what, you know it set a good example. I didn't have I didn't have guys <laughs> uh, late for buses anymore that year, so I was trying to teach him a little lesson. And he did. Now he's he's a Madison County yeah he, deputy. You know, well, he, yeah, he actually's retired already. So I'm not some oh. of these guys I coached are retiring. So I don't know what that means. I think I think well, it I means know you what, got old wrinkled balls, Joe. Yes, it does. <laughs> that's that's true. Uh, I I love that story. That's freaking awesome. Um, now, obviously, your kids your kids have good genetics. You're you're a stud athlete, pitcher. Your your, your wife was a was a collegiate athlete. So, but also it takes discipline. It takes work ethic. So, what can you other parents out there? What can you tell them? What what what's some advice you can give them? Well, I, you know, I I think what we try to do with with our kids is we wanted to make it. Uh, you there's there's no you, you can work hard and have fun. Mm-hmm. And and there, there, you, you know you can't always have fun. It's, everything you do is not fun, but 
you can't have all fun too. So there, there was a there's a mix there. We were fortunate that uh, I think the kids like to compete with each other too. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wanted the attention. Amanda, uh, we haven't talked about Amanda much, but you know she was pitching. She was a really good pitcher at East Alton River High School, but she pitched at the same time Dylan Mathis was pitching at Roxana, who was the best pitcher in the state at the time. So everybody was focused on Dylan, and Amanda was really good. And she ended up playing. Uh, junior college softball and went 17 and 0 one year. Oh, wow. they, they got seventh in the nation, but nobody really talked about her. She was kind of the forgotten child. And she was the, <laughs> o- the oldest. I don't know how how you guys are uh, divided up. I, I know that uh, Ross much, is a little older than me. I'm much younger. Ross is a little older than <laughs> <Much> me. <younger. laughs> but I, I don't know if you guys ever competed for attention or, or anything like that. But but they they had and I and I was an only child, so I wasn't used to that. Mm-hmm sibling rivalry but i tell them you know you, you provide opportunities for them yeah you have to be supportive but you also have to be firm there's a there's a right way to do it um and it it, it takes work uh, there's no shortcuts to being a good athlete i think uh it, it helps if they've got a passion for it if you have to push them to do it they're probably not going to do it mm-hmm. uh, they've got to want to do it um they 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 need to be organized uh they need to have a, a plan I think uh, it's, it's like coaching. You you know you you have a plan, and then you have to figure out how you're going to execute that plan. And I think uh, players have to do that too, to get better. So, uh, you know, uh, they they had success. Uh, Amanda, after her second year, she wanted to be a nurse, and she's been a nurse her whole life in the surgical department. That was her plan. Uh, Anthony changed his plan. You know, his plan changed, and I think Alexis is probably following her plan. I think she probably knew she was going to stay in softball. So, um, you know, you, you don't know that the, the younger kids um, wanting to play, getting opportunities, traveling, it's really hard. I mean, it's, it's a, um, but, it, but it's very fulfilling and, and, and uh, you don't want to regret, uh, look back and say, gee, I wish I would have. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a thing. Work hard and, and have fun. Find, surround yourself with good people. We've got a lot of good coaches in this area and uh, a lot of good trainers, I'm told. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, hook yourself up with somebody like that. And, and uh, you know, the, 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 the conditioning is so much better now than when I played. As a matter of fact, uh, Bud Bedell was the trainer at SIU when I played. And um, I was in better shape in college than I was in pro ball. The Cardinals, uh, Whitey didn't believe in lifting weights. He, you know, he wanted, he thought they pitchers, were all fast. Pitchers should, yeah, pitchers run and everybody mm-hmm. runs. And, and, you know, that was what it was. They weren't trying to hit home runs. He didn't want anybody trying to hit home runs. And, and the pitchers, he wanted to throw strikes, not necessarily throwing hard. Here, here's a little stat I'll throw, because I was a big Tommy Herr fan back in the day. Tommy Herr, I think he was the only, still the only guy to hit less than 10 home runs and have 110 RBIs. Yeah. yeah that was quite a stat. You like that, yeah, Ross? That, I do like that. Thank you. That's, thank well, you. Thank you, Google. Yeah. That was, well, that was <laughs> No, I have no – thank you, the back of a Topps uh, baseball yes. card. Awesome. That's, from, That's awesome. <laughs> that was that was that was the typical player then, and Pendleton became that kind of player too. He didn't hit yeah. a lot of home runs, but he drove in a lot of runs. So, so I guess you, you know you ask you know what we tell uh, parents you know be supportive, uh, make sure they have a plan, and make sure that they're having fun too. Uh, it's hard you know uh, to to get to the next level, but if they're having fun doing it, they'll they'll compete. Mm-hmm. Kids compete; they like to compete. Now, at some point. You you make the uh, the odd choice to do some go into local politics, right? Yeah, that was odd. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I I'd worked as a staff person. I was an administrator and treasurer for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd been a park director before that, and 
I, I really enjoyed uh, public service. Um, uh, that started, you know, I, you know, we can wind back to when I was 15 and my dad died and Bob Angleton and the street superintendent, Leroy Kino, took me in to meet the mayor when I was 15 and the mayor told me um, something I'll never forget. It was Mayor Frank Kiesler and I, I just lost my dad. My mom couldn't work and and uh, the mayor Kiesler told me, he said, um, son, he goes, I, I, I've heard what's happened. And I, di- I just want you to know, I'm going to get through this. I just want you to know that you and your mom's going to be okay. As long as you work hard for us, you always have a job. And you don't have to worry about you and your mom. Wow. And, and that, that, was, that was the moment. Now, I didn't realize that at the time, of course. But I look back and why did I get into public service? And what, what was that? You know, that was the moment when, when this guy who, who yeah, and Frank was a big man, suit and tie, I mean, looked like a mayor. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he looked like a mayor. And when he said that, um, I think that was the beginning of, of my, uh, my wanting to be in public service. And I always enjoyed it. Uh, I enjoy the work. I enjoy, you know, uh, talking to people and meeting people. I enjoy what we do. Uh, you know, firemen, policemen, the public works guys. Uh, that part of government touches us every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we, we don't see the state as much. We don't see the federal hardly at all. But local government uh, was always um, every day. You don't go a day without them touching you some way. So I enjoyed that a lot. After I retired from that, uh, so you became the you became I, the mayor of well, East Alton. Yeah. So I so I'm the treasurer. I retire, and mm-hmm. then they say, you know, you need to run for you need to run for mayor. And uh, so there was a there was a spot there was a trustee spot open. So I ran for that. Uh, there had been uh, a good friend of mine, Randy Mortland, who was was a, on the board had. had I got, got cancer and died, so there was a spot open. So I, I ran for that. And then um, Fred Bright was the mayor, and he said, look, he goes, uh, are you going to run in two years? And I said, well, no, you are. And he said, no, I'm not going to run again. He goes, my health's just not where I want it to be. He goes, as a matter of fact, if you'll if you're commit to running again, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about hanging it up, and, and you know, we'll see what happens. Well, they, they appointed me mayor in 15, then I ran in 17 and won. So I did that for six years and, and enjoyed that. So now I've been in City Hall for 22 years, and, and I'm thinking, you know, at what point do you wear out your welcome? <laughs> and, you know, and maybe need a set of fresh eyes. And, and so uh, uh, I was asked to run for uh, Madison County Auditor, and that didn't work out. So then I'm uh, retired again. I, I went ahead and finished my time as mayor and, and then retired and was, was just content to try to learn how to play golf. And uh, that didn't go well. <laughs> but um, and then, then recently, uh, I had a group, a uh, group of people, group of people I really respect, came to me and 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 said that that we we need to have somebody run for state representative. And and so I'm doing that. Uh, I think it's an opportunity to help uh, a lot of the municipal uh, uh, areas. Uh, I've got good relations with with people in Alton and Grant City and. Godfrey and East Dalton, whatever. I mean, I've worked with these people on a professional level for a long time. So I'm excited about the possibility, so I'm going to give that a try and, and see see what happens. I, I look forward to it. I think I do a good job. I, I've actually had success in just about everything I've done, so I'm going to try something else and, and uh, 
see if I can have some luck with that. But, but uh, I, I loved what you did at the uh, the mayor of East Dalton, which I when when it was going on, I thought no way this is going to work, but it's turned into a great success. So obviously, you had great vision. Is is turning that East that East Dalton Plaza is that what they call it? East Dalton Plaza it, down there into something revitalizing it? It's amazing. Yeah, Eastgate. Um, you know, we put some tools in place for Eastgate uh, for the whole Route Three area and and for Wilshire Village actually, and uh, we couldn't find ownership that, that that wanted to use the tools and actually develop it. Um, we we had uh, we came we were very lucky. Julia's decided to move to Eastgate uh, years before I became mayor, and Todd and Julia Kennedy owned that. And uh, we, the owner of the Eastgate Plaza was a guy named Ozzie Gorn, who was just a fascinating guy. He, he was in his 90s, and and uh, I went out to uh, Los Angeles to meet with him. Actually, I was talking about sports and business, so I'm, I'm out in Los Angeles with Alexis. She's playing in a tournament in Huntington Beach, mm-hmm. and that's where Mississippi State saw her, by the way. But So, I, so while I'm there, I think, well, I'm going to shoot up to L.A. And, and meet with this family and try to figure out how come they're not doing anything at Eastgate. And they told me at that time it was uh, uh, Ozzy and his, his son, who was sixty something, and then his, his grandson, and they're sitting there, and, and they're on, we're on like the tenth floor on Wilshire Boulevard, and this beautiful office, and, mm-hmm. and right in the middle of Los Angeles, just an unbelievable view. One side you're looking at, at downtown, and the other side you're looking at the mountains, and and, and then I'm thinking this is the guy that owns Eastgate, you know, <laughs> right. which was a dump at that point. Yeah. And uh, he said, he told me, uh, he said, well, he goes, We've, we're going to completely depreciate our asset. Well, I didn't even know what that meant. And I said, no, you're going to have to, you're, I'm from East Dalton, you're going to have to explain <laughs> that to me. What, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, we're not going to spend another dime on that. And so we knew we were in trouble there. Well, when Mr. Gorn passed away, and he was about 94 when he died. Like I said, kind of a fascinating guy. He just, he just wasn't going to spend any money. Mm-hmm. His son wasn't in no part of it. Mm-hmm. So his son had called Todd Kennedy and said, will you, um, will you think about buying it? Because Todd had been complaining a lot because it was hurting his business. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, got a, he's got a nice banquet center there in, in, in the middle of a, a ghost a, town. Yeah, yeah, a dead shopping center. Yeah. And, 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 you know, he'd have people come in to look, you know, and then drive right back out saying, we're yeah. not going to do anything. Right. So he called me. He was on his way back from Texas, and he called me, and I was married at that time, and said, hey, are there any incentives if we, you know, if we buy this? He goes, we can't fix this on our own. Mm-hmm. And I said, I, absolutely. So um, when he got in town, we, we worked on a TIF deal and a business district deal. And, and I can't say enough about Todd uh, Kennedy. He, he absolutely has vision that, that I didn't have. I mm-hmm. mean, he, he turned something into what it is now. And uh, since then, I think he's got some, some other partners because they just got so big so quick. Yeah. But, um, you know, took care of the infrastructure first, had to take care of roofs, had to take care of asphalt, all those big expenses that people, you know, don't think about. And, and, then, uh, and then was able to get some tenants in there. And, you know, they, then they had a, a pandemic and they hung in there with that. And uh, we worked a deal with Madison County Transit to move them out of the way because they were out in the front lot. And, now you've got a, a brew house there, uh, and so you know this guy knows what he's doing, and, and it, it can happen. And I think I think um, other other areas of of District 111 are, are is wanting to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Alton wants to do it. Granite City wants to. Everybody wants. Wood River yeah. wants to do it. I, yeah. I talk to them all the time. There's a lot. Uh, our area was a really thriving area. And, and now it needs to be redeveloped. And so uh, I, I look forward to trying to be a part of that. And 
kudos to you because I when I when you started moving and started developing down there, I just kind of scoffed at it. Scoffed. That's a good word. Good word. I um, do you know Jim Frazier? Yeah, I, I bought all his properties in that area. Oh, I didn't know that. That's great. Yep. Yeah. So what's Jim doing now? Just sitting in the garage? Hangs out at the brick house. Brings <laughs> Coors Light. Ross, hey, Hangs Ross out. softened him up with some free beers. So then he know how I roll? <laughs> now, now, Jim Frazier, now I'm going to tell you, when, when I was young, a long time ago, and Jim was younger then than he is now, but he was a starting second baseman down there. A left-hand hitter was a great player. And back in those days, I'd chase foul balls. And at the end of the day, they'd give me a ball, and I. But they all they used wooden bats, and I would I would they'd put the wooden bats in the trash can, and I'd grab them, take them home. My dad would put a nail in them and, and tape them up. Reuse and, <laughs> use those bats. But Frazier was a heck of a that's, player. That's what I've heard. Yeah, he was yeah. a really good player. Yeah, we're, me, me and Jim are close. Yeah, he's a good. Yeah, man. He was my PE teacher. Is that right? So when okay. I bought the brick house, that's how our relationship got started, and we just have grown really close over the years. And oh, yeah. then when he wanted to step down, he pulled me aside and. That's how it came about. We went and looked at him a couple times, and yeah, no, he he's he was a good athlete, good player, yeah, and funny guy. No, he's a great guy. Yeah, he's he's he's, fun. He he, I mean, he he he'll have a drink with you too if you you, you talk to him. (laughs) So your state rep, that's that's is that that the official position? Yeah, it's a seat you're running for. Yeah, Illinois state representative one eleven is is what I'm running for, and and uh, that you know the primary is in June. I don't I'm not going to have a primary opponent, and then the the general election is November the eighth. So I've got it uh, running around. Uh, doing what you do, you know it's a lot funner uh, when you're when you're uh, retired and campaigning than when you're working full time. <laughs> right, too. and you have to have you have yeah. to win it. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, you know. So I'm I'm having a good time with them. You know, seeing a lot of people that I haven't seen in a while, and you know it's fun. I enjoy it. Here, here's one for you, totally off the subject. What's what's your Mount Rushmore of baseball players? Oh, now boy. this can be this can be the ones you've seen in your lifetime, or it can just be the ones that you think over. You know, what I'm saying that you hadn't seen that you but you followed or look, you know, paid attention to. Okay, um, boy, uh, Lou Brock is number one. Lou Brock. Lou, Lou Brock's my favorite player of all time. Uh, now this is your now what what's we just got to establish what you're doing. Are you putting your four favorites up? Are you putting the four best that you think oh, are the four best? We, now, you like, tell me. If you like, want to go yeah, four favorite, I, we're, we're, we're fine. We yeah, just I, wanted, we I, just have to uh, just I, I, I don't sure. think you could say Lou was one of the top four best, but he was he was my favorite. So I guess I'm going favorite. Okay. okay. We, we'll take it. So uh, Lou Brock, for sure. Um, you know, I, I was just at that really good age when he was so exciting. And, I mean, everybody in the park knew he was going to go, and, and he went. You do know, you, I, and touching on that, do you wish they'd bring back the steel more? I used to love that. Like we talk about Vince Coleman. It's just you get on base and and like you know now someone just gets on the base and like you don't even think about it. But back then, man, Vince got on base and you were just like, is he gonna go? Is he gonna go? Is he gonna go? And he was he was gonna go. Love the steal. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he stole hundred some bases now, and they no one even comes close to that these days. If somebody gets thirty stolen bases, it's good. You know. Uh, you know, I I like the way the game was played when I played it. I mm-hmm. think everybody does that. I I think it's natural that things change. You know, every sport has changed. Uh, but I like the speed and the defense and the strike throwing and you know the, the you know the, that was what I liked more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I raced Vince Coleman in spring training one year. <laughs> well, I'm not going to ask who won. Uh, no. <laughs> so uh, how's that come about? So. So, uh, well, they, they labeled it, you know, it wasn't spring training, it was instructional league, and they, they, they said it was the fastest man in baseball versus the slowest. <laughs> and, and so they got me. 
And we, we lined up on the first baseline, and we were going to run towards center field, and there was a pitcher out there with his arm. <laughs> yeah. And Vince took two steps forward, turned around and ran backwards and kicked my ass. <laughs> <laughs> but to, to qualify that, it was – the guy could run backwards really fast. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and, and something that you probably never heard about, Vince, was the Washington Redskins at the time uh, tried to sign him to be a kick returner. Oh. And his, his cousin uh, was Greg Coleman that was the punter for the Vikings for all those years and had a really successful career. And Vince wanted to be a punter. And they said, you're not a punter, you're a punt returner because <laughs> yeah. of your speed. But he knew that, the, the you know, uh, back then a, a kick returner, you know, What's your you, life expectancy, well, career expectancy? A, a yeah. year, maybe yeah. two at the yeah. most. I mean, they, they were just getting fast guys, catch the ball, run until you got broke. Mm-hmm. And then he didn't want to do that. And, and uh, I saw him, you know, they taught him how to be a switch hitter. And Johnny Lewis worked with him every day and George Kissel and guys like that. But So it got me off on that a little bit. But uh, So we're back to Mount Rushmore. Got Lou Brock. Got Lou Brock on there. Boy, let me think. Who have I really enjoyed um, – you know, I've got friends that made it that were good. Uh, uh, I haven't I, – Mount Rushmore. You know, it'd be hard not to have Gibby on there. Gibson would be yeah. on there. Um, that's going to be a cardinal flavor, obviously. Uh, I, You know, I, I, Stan would be on there, Musio, but I never saw Stan play. Mm-hmm. And so I know he, he belongs on that, but, but for me, I, I can't put him on there because I never saw right. him. Um, I enjoyed uh, – Oh, shoot. Uh, you know, Cal Ripken was a great player. Uh, you know, his, the endurance that he showed. Um, yeah, let's see. There should be – oh, Ted Simmons. I You know, uh, I was a catcher back when Ted Simmons was a catcher. And, and, you know, you'd have the Simmons bench arguments all the time. And, uh, you know, Johnny Bench was pretty good too. Uh, but Sim- <laughs> right? Simmons was – I used to always argue that Simmons was a better hitter. Uh, but did they, know, they ever put Ted Simmons in the the Hall of Fame? Just got in. Just got in. Just got in last the last time. So, uh, but so so let's go Brock Gibson Simmons and Bench because be, Bench was I was a catcher. That, that's four as you know that I grew up with. Uh, but man, if if you ask me the, the four greatest of all time, then you know you, you get into the Babe Ruth and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Hard to argue with a guy like Ruth that we're still talking about. That you know and, and, and you know he's kind of built like me. <laughs> now, yeah. <laughs> who, who, who's who's your top four favorite? Well, my top. Who's yours? I don't. You've been talking a lot of baseball here have today. I? I mean, I was a giant fan back in the day. I, you yeah, know what? I don't absolutely. even absolutely. I don't even watch anymore. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. I haven't been to. A, remember, I went to I, I went to opening day twenty one straight years opening day, and that's I, how I got one of those hats. <laughs> right? <laughs> it says Brown and Crouppen on the back. Yeah. I, I'd have to, I'd have to think about really? that. Really? Yeah. What you got four you could just rattle right off? And I, I'm gonna say my four favorite. I just loved. Yeah, to I'm watch just saying. Play. Fa- yeah. King Griffey Jr. King Griffey. Yeah. Albert Pujols. Vince Coleman from being a kid. Yeah. He was always my favorite. And Rick Ankiel. Rick Ankiel, I like that. I was a big fan. I like that. Me and Dreeth would just go to games just to watch him. He's starting. We're there. I would keep Pujols on my list. I would put uh, Ricky Henderson. I, Ooh, I, I loved Ricky. I loved Ricky Henderson back in the day. Do you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. what, he was just a guy that could steal and hit a home run. You know, yeah. Um, what, what do you guys think about this? Todd, I, Todd it, had two. Okay, good job, no, Todd. It's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> 
Not bad. Uh, what do you think about like today's game with how like with, with like you just got done with those contract negotiations, which it seems like happens every time. There's going to be a strike. They cancel games. You saw now they have the designated hitter for both for both leagues, which I thought I thought they should have done. It's an unfair advantage in the World Series. I, I agree with that. I, I mean, I, I was always a traditionalist, but there's no pitchers hitting anywhere. If you go to college level games, they're not pitchers aren't hitting. They're not they're not hitting in high school even. Uh, so, very rarely, uh, especially in college. Uh, so you're you're getting a washed out product. Uh, so it, it didn't surprise me. I, it, the 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 strategy part of it bothers me a little bit. But let's face it, who's bunting and moving guys over anymore anyway? So right. So uh, those things are going to happen. Um, uh, I, I, there, there's things that we're going to miss that they used to do, and then there's going to think, you know, the, the athletes we're seeing now are so so incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the power. They're, they're not just. They're just not going out and running for their conditioning. I mean, no, not not at all. I mean, these guys are. I mean, you, you know, look at a guy like Tyler O'Neill, and you know, we never had anybody like that. No. You know, and we had some big strong guys, but nobody looked like that. They were farm strong. They were, they and were, that's you know. that's exactly right. There wasn't any. There wasn't any weight rooms. Mm-hmm. You couldn't find a weight room in, yeah. in baseball back when I played uh, you couldn't find it you know the biggest thing that I saw was a stretching band those bands that you could stretch <laughs> right you know if you did that a little while then you you know that was you know I'm tired now and and, and go in and and run so I, I you know I'm, I'm getting used to the new game it's different I don't know if I could uh, you know it's not fair for me to say uh, it's, it's worse it's just different mm-hmm. and uh, the players are different they're they're better than they've ever been they're they're more athletic right uh, they you know they can do more things and then you know, as far as the the negotiations, I, you know, I come from a, a player side of it where it's so hard to get there, and and the the career I don't know what the average span is. I mean, we always want to look at the Max Scherzers and the Albert Pujols and guys like that that really cash in. Those guys are not the norm; they're the they're the exception. There's a lot of guys that that work for a long time. It might be ten years to get there, or you know, from college and then pro and. And their their career is two years, so I get why they want to get more money up front, and and they do make good money. But the the teams are making a lot of money too. Yeah. Don't you got to just look around? So it's it's kind of like concerts, you know. If if we could sing, man, we you know <laughs> you, you could do that until your seventies. And all the people I liked are in their seventies now, and I'd still pay. Do, do you watch Do you watch games? I do. Yeah, I you know still I follow it. And... I uh, I go over you know not as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, try to go to day games now instead of night games. Yeah. You know and. And uh, watch them on TV a lot. You know, I mean, that's changed so much, too, from back when we were, uh, at least when I was a kid. You know, you had a weekend game on TV. Now it's, you know, and then the the Cubs and the Braves came along, and you could watch it more. And and now you can watch baseball every night somewhere. Last thing I want to touch on, and uh, this kind of involves both you guys. So you guys, you have the the basketball, uh, the Alton Exchange basketball banquet coming up that you've been involved with for a while, right? That's right. We uh, we we t- uh, I'm in a group that that actually uh, the Gallatin Awards is what's named after Harry Gallatin. Uh, uh, the Exchange Club did it from 1946. Uh, spring of '46 was the first year that they gave out high school awards. You, and, you know who spoke at it, Ross? Do you listen to this. You know who spoke at that? Chuck Taylor. Well, yeah. That's right. he, he was from St. Louis, and he was their first yeah. speaker. And that, back then, they just gave it to the boys. Now, you know, I, I actually, when I came here, I, I, I thought maybe Ty would be here because I know 
he's a past winner. <laughs> 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 oh, that Not hurt. a good subject that around here, bit, bud. Doesn't it, Ross? That hurts a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, I got fucked. <laughs> <laughs> who won? Who won it your year? Travis Williams. Oh, hmm. I mean, he's a good athlete. Yeah, he wasn't a better basketball player than no. me though. No. Yeah, I wasn't on that committee, so uh, <laughs> well, we'd be having some fucking words right now. <laughs> so, the, somebody might have told me to mention that. I don't. Want to, I, I don't want to mention Bill Roseberry by name. But, uh, uh, still but, sore, still salty. I get it. So we're trying to keep that it's a going. Nice fucking uh, trophy they gave out back in the day. It is. It's a. It's a. It's a quite an honor. It yeah, really, absolutely. It, it really yeah. is. Uh, you know, we've had a really. We've had a really <laughs> lot of good b- basketball players. I look at that list, and then uh, they started handing it out to the, the women too, and which has been dominated by Civic Memorial. I think they won eleven hey, in a I, row. We've got Allie. Tre- I, I like it because I've worked yeah. with all of them. Allie right. Treckler, Tori Standifer, uh, uh, Anna Hall. She, I think, she won it two years. I think, and Treckler yeah, might have won a couple years. She won it three, and then uh, Mackenzie Carter was in there. I mean, you're, you went down that road naming names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they've had eleven in a row because I looked it up. I thought you might try to quiz me on that. So, uh, <laughs> but but they've had a great program and and uh, had a great year this year. Uh, it's, it's exciting to have the banquet again. This will be our seventy fifth banquet. It'll be the seventy seventh year we handed out the award. We've had to suspend it for a couple years. Uh, David Goins is going to be the guest uh, speaker. Oh, and he course. was a former winner, right? He won in 1978, which was the year I graduated, and he was a good player. Uh, and now he's high. the mayor of Alton. Now he's the mayor of Alton, and he'll be our guest speaker. And, we, I mean, he's been scheduled to speak for three years now. We keep trying to have a banquet. <laughs> so I think we're going to get it done. Yeah. It's it's on March the 20th at 6 o'clock at the Best Western Premier. Uh, what we do is we raise money. Where is it? And the Best Western Best Western Premier is the old Holiday Inn right through yeah, off of gotcha. Adam, uh, gotcha. and uh, we we had a we had a great fundraising uh, event at the Brick House. Uh, had a had a trivia night there. We really appreciate your hospitality. No there. problem. Everybody was great to us. I'm surprised uh, you do it, Rob. I'm surprised you let him. You still they're not salty about it. <laughs> <laughs> you lost my mind. You, I'm surprised you don't like. I, 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 yeah, I like you guys them. can use. Oh, never mind. We decided to give it to Rotary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm kind of a chip on the shoulder, old guy. Yeah, I, you know, I I didn't know that at the time. I maybe that was a sore subject. There. I think Roseberry set me up. There, like, well, <laughs> let me tell you this: most most guests that come in here, they always say, "Oh, I was hoping Ty was going to be here." So let's let's just be honest. Uh, yes, most so. of them say that anyway. Joe it has nothing to do with the uh, the basketball awards, does okay. it? <laughs> that's good so i'm looking forward to it we're, we're inviting yeah, back all the fun. past winners so ty's invited back <laughs> <laughs> see hey if i was a past winner i'd show up <laughs> yeah, yeah ty lock ty locks will not be there <laughs> yeah so we're gonna have we're gonna have some uh a good group there this year and, and uh should have some fun and recognize the kids and yeah that's awesome and, uh, they worked hard and we, we do some other awards there's the, you know, the mvps of each team gets recognized their 110 mm-hmm. percent award the sportsmanship award for the team and uh, 100 percent award winner over here oh, oh that, you got that oh yeah yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's good the, that's like my senior when i got the attitude no, and leadership that's, award that's, right it's, it's let's fucking get, second we, place we, is what it is first place loser <laughs> <laughs> you ain't first to last ross okay uh no Joe, but it's an awesome it's an awesome event it and uh it gives something for the kids i mean it was when i was growing up it was something you looked forward to you know and, and that's why like i i try to help out when I can and, and keep it do what I can to keep it going because it is a big thing for the area now, you had a oh. player win it right when you coached didn't you didn't Bryce Zupan win it when you were coaching there uh no he definitely no. won it 
I don't know if you were coaching there. No, I was coaching his senior year. Mm-hmm. I didn't think he won it. I thought it was a kid from Alton. I'm pretty sure Bryce won it. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have to look it up. Yeah, there, there you go. I don't there remember. Uh, I, I try to look over the list. Uh, you know, the kids, uh, we, we, we bring them all in, uh, the active kids on the roster and their coaches, and, and we feed them all. That's what the fundraiser at the Brick House mm-hmm. was all about, and we appreciate all the teams that got a, a trivia night team in there and uh, had a good time, and it was a great venue for it. And, and man, I, like I said, you guys treated us, treated us right. We really appreciate it because – you know, we have to raise money to, yeah. to do that. We yeah. want to keep inviting them. We want to keep doing it every year. Uh, the, the You know, Bill Roseberry and Steve Porter, you know, they've been covering. Steve Porter was at the 1946 uh, banquet. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I, I, I need to ask him that because I, sh- I shouldn't keep saying that. But, uh, that's funny. But, uh, that's funny. you know, they, they've seen a lot of basketball. They, they got me on there and uh, uh, to try to – they needed a treasure is what they needed. So so I, I try to help them out with Who that. Who better? Right, so we have fun with it. Uh, it's good for the kids. It's good for the yeah. area. Yep. Um, you got anything else you want to add, Ross? I don't, man. I think we covered it. Yeah, you you lived up to the hype on the storytelling. You really did. Well, I appreciate it. I, you know, I I I, I just now realized the hat. You got that with an oil change, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, down down the the uh, quickie lube down the street. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't place it for a long time, but now I understand where you got it. Now, I enjoy talking to you guys. It's always fun to to relive the uh, the old stuff, and and uh, you know every every time I tell the story, it, you know I was better. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. That's how it works. No references to Doug Duncan. <laughs> well, we like try to keep Doug's name out of this. Doug did say he was going to, oh, I'll have to listen to this one. That's why I wanted to mention. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. I wanted to mention his name so I can say, hey, I threw your name out there. Here's what we don't, don't tell him. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to see if Doug listens to, because we went an hour and hour and a half. We're going to see if Doug listens an hour and a half of it and hears his name. So Doug, if you hear this, we want to, we want to know that you heard your name. All right. Nice. I like it. I do, I do too. He, no, he's not making it. Well, Joe, thanks a lot for coming in, dude. I'd super appreciate it. Thanks for the it invite. Good, it was a good time. Great time. Good time. Yeah. Thank but, you. Um, me and Ross have voted, though. You didn't get Storyteller of the Year. You got second place. Uh, Dave Galanti got it. So Dave beat you out. Sorry about that. <laughs> I, I, there you go, I, Ross. I helped you out. Ross, I helped you out. All right, this has been the Eat, Slay, Live podcast. And we are the Locksecutioner. Slay on, brother. Slay on.